Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piskor. Going to take a look at Paul Smith, an issue of Paul Smith's X-Men. Before we do, want to remind everybody that this station is brought to you by the comics that we make. We're working cartoonists, so the best way to support Cartoonist Kayfabe, pick up the books that we make. Ed Piskor's Red Room, the Anti-Social Network, and Red Room Trigger Warnings are both in stores now. They are completely self-contained, can be read in either order, so whichever one you run into first is a perfect place to start with Red Room. Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive, back in stock and in, in back in print from Image Comics. Eight complete stories of the Deadliest Girl Alive. Pick that one up wherever you buy comics and Hulk Grand Design Monster Madness. The issues are available now. The Treasury Size Collection will be out in early uh, 2023. So pre-order that one if you want to add that to your uh, collection. It'll look good next to the other Grand Design books. And I gotta stress pre-order it because uh, printing <laughs> printing is a challenge right now so if you don't have a copy reserved you may be out of luck and depending on when this video airs you may still be able to catch Ed in Tokyo at Tokyo Comic-Con the last weekend in November he will be there tabling with Jeff Darrow so check that out if you're anywhere nearby that should be an amazing event So we are going to look at Paul Smith's X-Men work through the lens of this single issue. We just talked about Paul Smith recently in our Wizard number 50 coverage. There was an interview with him. Kind of a, uh, a very legendary run on X-Men, atypical style-wise of what we had seen with John Byrne and Dave Cockrum. And Smith kind of has this legacy for really, you know, a year on X-Men from the early 80s. So seemed like an interesting guy to uh, dig into and check out that style, a very different take on X-Men. Um, at least at the time, seemed very different. You know, I, I have that kick now where I feel like any ink on paper is similar to others, but you're going to see a more minimal approach to uh, at least to hatching and feathering and those things. And I think it was very conscious on his part. And you can see it even on this cover where it's uh, a, a pretty straightforward, just two characters running out of a no background. And I think uh, that fits. That fits with Paul Smith and what I think of as Paul Smith. Great figure work, great economy of line, and a very good draftsman. Absolutely, man. Uh, obviously, Ed Piscor, the X-Men Grand Design dude, like these comics are, are are close to my chest. And I actually plan on reviewing like the bulk of the Claremont run, if not all of it, on the channel in solo fashion, uh, just in my spare time. Like that's gonna be a big focus whenever I get back from, from uh, Japan is, is to get a bunch of that kind of stuff out there is just weird series that like I know it'll make your eyes glaze over to go through too much of this Claremont stuff but uh it's just it, it's so integral to to my sort of formative uh situation man and this Paul Smith stuff I mean it's it's total supernova comics 11 issues that are just unforgettable uh the this arc is a fantastic arc it, it really establishes Rogue as as an important character for uh, for the X Men, she she has she's a classic Marvel character with the, the sort of flaws and, and issues that that she has. And yeah, it feels like a tailor made to Chris Claremont and what where his interests lie as a storyteller. It feels yeah. like Rogue fits perfectly in that. And his whole philosophy, you know, at this point he's already comfortable making X Men comics. Been on the game for almost a hundred issues, and there's no uh, end in sight. So he was working in big, long arcs, and his th thoughts of philosophies were, you know, we have this comic New Mutants, like that's going to be to establish the next round of characters. Uh, then there's going to be waves of X-Men, and Rogue was to be, you know, 
the the X-Men character of, of, of the 80s, you know, like that, that's what that's what he was building. And he's establishing her as um, as like a hero in this story. Look at that spread. Yeah, I think that's a good example of what I'm talking about in terms of um, we have the essential X-Men volume four here. So you get a black and white version of it. Thought I would just uh, pull out a comparison there of I don't want to say sparse, but clean line almost. Yeah, is is maybe the best way to describe this. It's interesting to look at this stuff and think about John Romita Jr. It is because like I I see some commonality between those it, two. Is Dan Green the inker here? No, it's Bob Wycheck. Okay, and I think he inks the majority, if not all, of this Paul Smith okay. run. Okay, yeah. Like look at the attitude in that figure. You could tell she's cocked up on uh, the bar, head tilted down. You know, there's some real attitude there, and the storytelling is sick. Like, you got a sigh coming down, and it's one of those Spencer's gift sighs. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's kind of a funny effect. <laughs> that was one I looked at a few times here. And we mentioned, you know, it's a different style than a Dave Cockrum, who Paul Smith follows on X-Men. And I think there's a lot in common between Dave Cockrum and John Byrne in terms of, I don't know, detailed cross-hatching kind of a lot of rendering, a lot of ink and detail on the page. So here's an example of, uh, I think this is the last Dave Cockrum issue before Paul Smith comes on, but you can just see a lot more hatching, noodling, detail, little marks. Dave, when Dave Cockrum's on, on the... You know, think of the contrast there in terms of detail between that shot of Wolverine at a control panel versus this shot. You know, I can imagine Cockrum drawing all the bottles behind the, the bar, uh, maybe some some stools busted and screwed about. So Cockrum is definitely like in Legion of Superheroes mode, even with the X Men. He he's always been in that headspace. Yeah, and I think that I mean, look, it proved very popular. It's interesting that Paul Smith has the reputation he has on here because he's replacing, following John Byrne and then Dave Cockrum, and it's two guys that are known for that kind of hyper detailed work versus a more clean, yeah. sophisticated, mature style. And Paul, and Paul Smith really had no giant bibliography to speak of right. at this time. Um, also note on the story, this is set in Japan. So Wolverine is there for a wedding. And kind of kind of funny reading this this week and thinking that you're getting ready to head to Japan. So a good issue for that. Yeah. So like leading... I don't know if there's a lot of Japan uh, travel tips in here for you. <laughs> leading, but... leading up to it, um, it's that famous piece, man, where Rogue shows up at the door, like Wolverine smells a rat. Yes. And Rogue shows up at the door holding her two two luggages, and he's like, "What the fuck? Are you gonna bring Magneto here next? Like, like what is this bullshit?" So she's trying to establish her footing in the X Men and potentially gain Wolverine's respect in a way. But Wolverine, he's he's friends with Carol Danvers, and she can't fly no more because of what Rogue did to her. So he takes it very personally that she's a, a part of the crew. And, and that is recapped in here, and this issue. And that's uh, what this issue is, man. It's, it's, uh, we're, we're getting Rogue over as a new X-Men of the day. Yeah, and she's got to earn it with Wolverine. Mm -hmm. and the other X-Men are currently in the hospital uh, in intensive care because they've been poisoned. And uh, Wolverine's bride-to-be, Mariko, comes from a crime family. Her brother, Silver Samurai, wants to take over that crime empire now that their father has passed. And in order to do that, he's got to kill Mariko. And the X-Men stand in his way. So that's what happened last issue. And now it's Wolverine has recovered. Rogue has survived. Storm has survived. And Storm's on her own in this issue. But Wolverine and Rogue are going to get uh, their pound of flesh back. Look at how beautiful this panel is. And this is a day and age where there is no Google image search, man. So... 
Paul Smith has to go crack open his morgue files and find this kind of imagery. And you're finding low fidelity, shit ass photographs to work from. And you gotta, you gotta fake it all. And it looks, it looks great, man. Uh, the Yukio character was established in the Wolverine miniseries as being kind of like a young Spitfire mm-hmm. uh, assassin chick. So we get to see it's a, it's a buddy cop. It's Murtaugh and Riggs of Japan. Yeah, and a fun story going on in this issue is Storm is changing. Yeah. And sort of embracing a, a more reckless, I don't know if it's from hanging out with Yukio or just where Storm is, but you see her like, okay, six six on two, oh well, you only die once. You know, she's adopting this uh, more, I don't know, rebellious, reckless kind of attitude. And you know what I like about this panel? I feel like as a vertical composition next to these, it's really nice. You know, it sort of leads your eye down. It also has these tiers that complement the other rest of the page layout. It really does. And by not having any humans up here and having all this stuff pointing down, I easily read this before I read this. Yeah. I do not go here to here because you just like, it's it's almost like your brain intuitively is like, well, what the fuck? Oh, okay. It's like, you know, it's a roof. It's a series of roofs. Okay. There's our girls. There's even the stuff that makes sense because they're on the ground level pounding on this door to like, let us in, let us in. And where's he? Upper level, right? So you have to go back up the page to get to that point of him looking down from above being like, I can't, you guys are too hot. Can't, can't, uh, can't touch you. Can't, can't shelter you. So our gang shows up right in the middle of the page in silhouette. Very easy to understand what's happening there. And, uh, but we're back, back to the Wolverine rogue story. So we're going to cross cut throughout this issue. Good way to set up stories and drama. And here we have Wolverine saving rogue from an invisible, basically she tripped a, uh, like a laser and this defense mechanism comes out. Wolverine thinks about letting her have it to uh, test how invulnerable she really is, but doesn't look at that stalking Wolverine right there. That's really good. But you know, what doesn't come across is the idea that Wolverine's like five foot two you see it in head size and the guy who's great at it i think the best is john byrne when you see this that's a very elegant fit like stretched out figure yeah yeah and and actually paul smith is not bad at it uh so there's perspective at play there and, and things like that but uh he is one of the guys that i do think is, is pretty good with it uh, a lot of the time so rogue half jokingly acts like she's going to kiss wolverine as like uh, a little payback for saving her and he is not happy with that and says, you never, ever joke about that. And uh, she says, you know, I, I didn't mean any harm. And he says, that's why you're still breathing. She, I mean, she, she handicapped one of his good friends, man. Yes. Yeah. And that's what's recapped here. So they go back to this crime lord who Wolverine believes is the person that's sending the, the, the threats to his fiance and finds out he's been dead for a week sitting there. All right, man, cut back to Storm and Yukio fighting this, uh, this little gang. This is supposed to read as thunder, or as lightning, rather, I think. That part doesn't read well to me as lightning. No. But I think it, it's an example maybe of Paul Smith really trying to differentiate his style from what's gone before to try to be unique and stand out. A lot of times that works really well. You know, I think this looks super cool. But for lightning, that just doesn't. I don't get it. I know it because of the text. And who knows? Maybe that's not what he intended. You know, there could be some Marvel method here, too, Yeah. that uh, Chris Claremont's making some changes along the way. And so once they find the uh, the dead drug or the dead crime lord, now they're racing to the hospital. Realize Wolverine and Rogue realize they've been set up. It's to get them away from the X Men and away from Rico, where now they're super vulnerable. So Rogue flies them back there as fast as she can, just in time to stop the uh, the, the would be assassins. Pretty great. 
that whole setup I, I find really good. And there's a series of this where it's these horizontal panels, that yeah. widescreen thing that got so trendy in the early 2000s. Paul Smith is really using it here, and it looks great. These pages read well. I feel like they're action-packed. Feels a little Frank Miller-esque to it me does, at times. Yeah, yeah he, he comes to mind when it comes to these kind of panels, especially the volume of five of them stacked up. Like, that's a lot of... And it makes sense when you think, like, this is right around that Wolverine miniseries. Yeah. So one of the more successful books of the time period, and now you're doing Wolverine in Japan, of course there's some uh, going to be probably some similarities there. You'd be foolish not to do that. So Silver Samurai Wolverine, great showdown, and this is kind of round two after the last issue. And part of the reason we picked this issue is this wordless sequence. Yes. Chris Claremont, a lot of words per page, and steps back and allows this to be just a fight. Just Paul Smith, man, go at it. Almost three pages of wordlessness. Makes me wonder if Claremont's pages were lost by FedEx. <laughs> Great uh, red background. That makes a lot of sense to me, man. This is this is heightened energy. This is murder. This is sick as fuck right here, dude. Silver Samurai got him. Yes. If not for that adamantium skeleton decapitation. Yeah. You know, like I would have liked some sparks. Like psh, 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 that would have been good. A sound effect maybe there. He also stabs him through the middle. Yeah. Shades of Ronan, speaking of Frank Miller stuff, but Wolverine not done yet, and he comes back, and he's got him exposed now. His neck is exposed, claws are out, and Rico stops him. Of course. Too much bloodshed. Look at the eyes, like, you know, trying to get expression out of these blank eyes. Pretty well done. Yeah. Yeah, these guys were really playing around with that at that time. I like the composition space, too, where you have your two figures, and now once she steps in, we, like, spin. We, like, move back. Look at the Mariko hair, and that, that's very Paul Smith. And you can see he's consciously not hatching. Mm -hmm. You know, you, everybody else would feather that. But we're not done yet. So there's two halves of the uh, would-be assassins, and one of them has everybody dead to rights now with the gun pulled. Silver Samurai's in bad shape, but we still got have Viper ready to go. Um, how much Steranko-esque is in Viper? A thousand percent, man. Like, is she, is she not uh, a member of Hydra or something like that? I guess that must be what she comes from. But there's some cool stuff here that Smith is staging where, like, you can see Wolverine getting in front of Mariko, protecting her. And the monologue is that he's going to try to get her out the door is his plan, although he's pretty banged up himself. So, nevertheless, going to be chivalrous there and protect his fiance, and then worry about Viper. This is one of my favorite pieces of, of the issue where you see like the bullet is shot mm -hmm. and Rogue is faster than a speeding bullet and gets in the way to, uh, to, you know, to block the civilian. This is such an odd panel that you have like a corridor going down this way. You know, it feels like two panels. Right. It's so strange. I like it, but it's very, very unusual. So it does allow Wolverine to get out, and Rogue is taken full-on blast. And she even comments, like, she's like, oh, I hope your, your uh, peers appreciate your sacrifice. And she's like, they don't care if I live or die. That feels like classic Claremont characterization right there. Right. And, and I mean, this is the hero's journey. Like, like Rogue has to prove herself, and, and, she, and she fully does. And how good is this moment? So dispatches, uh, well, maybe not dispatches, but her gun malfunctions, so Viper and Samurai teleport away yeah amazing the teleporting was just yeah that's fine no <laughs> fight the climactic moment we'll just use that but it does give us the wolverine rogue bonding moment where wolverine gives her 
his his healing power there to save her life because in his mind she saved his fiance. And think about the stuff that's required to just make make a good story. You got to have your setups and payoffs. And in comics, you got to do that every issue. So earlier earlier we established the part where Rogue is about to kiss him, and then uh, you know establishes her powers like what they are. And uh, so, so he's going to be able to give some some of his juice because we saw what his powers are. Because like he could have been decapitated, but he wasn't. Right. Yeah. Super well done. Um, I was going to say though, I wish comics did that now. Yeah. Sure. It's really well done here, though. You're right. It, it, all the rules are set up in this issue. If if this was your first X Men issue, you'd get a lot out of this one. Totally. Um, this is so great, though. I think Paul Smith's use there of an open panel, a very long shot. I mean visual drama i almost use that that composition in a way in, in uh, grand design because because to me the moment is more about establishing um rogue really more than it is about uh the mariko wed wedding stuff you know i think that's true too and i think claremont at least would have been very conscious of that because like this is man and woman this is wolverine kissing rogue you know, like this is the union that we're seeing. Right. This is the X-Men union here. And it's, uh, how many how many unions do you get? You know, one couple is gonna come out of this issue and it's these two. And not, not romantically, but you know, in terms of the bond, that's what happens here. And this is a strange bit of storytelling, I think. Yeah. It's very subtle what happens here, but we have somebody pass through Mariko's life and maybe change the trajectory of uh, her plans. Yes, and and it's very mysterious right here, but you flip the page, we get through the rest of the bit, um, and we're set up for a Shinto wedding, you know, like that's all gonna go down. Here we got the establishment of Mo Mohawk Storm making her first appearance. I think, I th if I remember correctly, like what happens is she she's knocked off her high horse about, um, the god like being the the weather god stuff uh the morlock shit goes down where she becomes like leader of the morlocks and she sees that kind of punk energy she sees like how how they're living so she's more humanistic or something what the heck are the editors thinking whenever this shows up <laughs> like that's a crazy thing to do to one of your team's big characters gotta gotta update her for the 80s man Pretty wild update. You know, that's about as extreme of an update as you're going to see a character uh, go through. She goes through more arcs than everybody. Because, mm -hmm. like, how... I mean, is it three years she can't even shoot a lightning bolt? You know, like, those two life deaths yeah. are far apart. Yeah, she's a kid. When I start reading yeah. X-Men, she's been reincarnated as, like, a child. Yeah, she gets her powers back with Silvestri and then goes through the Siege Perilous and, and, and is a little kid. Like, so she, she goes through the most. Pretty iconic, though. You know, I yeah. still get requests for to draw Mohawk Storm. So an incredible contribution from an artistic standpoint that this is still a design that's popular to this day. Some of my favorite stuff to draw in Grand Design, for sure. Super fun. And I also want to note, like, Paul Smith going from, you know, these five-panel horizontal pages action kind of scenes to the wedding. And it's a super... It's not just a different scene, a different setting where in daylight, but also like page layout, it feels like it's a different approach. Another open panel that's spectacular. Show off the bride on the day of her wedding. Yeah. This is a really fun moment too. Madeline Pryor is uh, Scott's date and uh, Kitty Pride's like, hey, watch, watch Lockheed for me. And she's like, Lockheed, that's a good name for a cat. <laughs> There's a dragon sleeping in here and she's starting to freak out. <laughs> Who are these people? And uh, here it is. Mariko calls off the wedding. So 
kind of uh, kind of abrupt, you know, just walking away from Wolverine. Great body language of them being back to back. Yes, and you see the back view of the guy that she was talking to, and all you need is this right here to know that fucking Jason Wingard, the mastermind, is back in the game. He already fucked up Jean Grey, so now he's he's working on destroying Wolvie's psyche, and you can tell that it's working because there's that stoic tear. That's the one like from the uh, Smokey the Bear. Oh no, it's the litter commercial with the Native American dude. Jeez, yeah. Where, where, he, yeah. where he squeezes out that one tear piece. Yeah, it's always tough to do uh, the dude's crying. I, I love all the the architecture background, though. Yeah. Really fun stuff. He must have got a book on Japan. Like, he had to have some kind of good reference that he found for it. Yeah, this is Frank Miller, too. Like, where it's just like rice paper thatches thatch walls everywhere claremont seemed very taken by all this so it's possible he's slipping references he yeah because they're they're, they're they're speaking specifics of like shinto wedding rituals and shit and uh i forget well somebody told me a story about being on a on a on a plane with a with peter david across the pond to uh to go to a convention and peter david was like something was going to be staged in some country or something for one of his comics so he's boning up on learning about the culture and every two seconds like peter david would be chiming in with some new like factoid that he's learning about this country that is going to be in a comic so i mean that's a part of the game they write what you know so you better learn some things absolutely weird gimmick here where colossus is answering the letters columns so dumb and then uh bullpen bulletins by john byrne another one of those like is this super oddities is this assistant editors month no it just said that big big jim shooters asked him to be a, do a guest spot here and uh it's been months he couldn't think of what to do so he just drew all all these great marvel characters i guess this is before um he and jim shooter have <laughs> disagreements oh yeah as long as he's making millions of dollars man he's gonna toe the line right he's, he's the cog he ain't gonna he ain't gonna upset nothing so there's a Paul Smith X-Men. Interesting run. You know, you think of X-Men's history and it's like how much of this Claremont's run is defined by these like one good artistic pairing after another. And he, Chris Claremont, was a, was a headhunter. When these, it, it was probably him who said, give me Paul Smith. Like I, I like what the guy's doing. Uh, the editors, Louis Simonson and Innocenti, they would always talk about how, how uh, you know, he would meet a new guy like Silvestri was untested, kinda. You know, he had a, he had a, a couple of things here and there, but nothing, nothing that major. Uh, yeah, nothing that would make you think, oh, this dude's an X Men fit. But it's going from Conan and stuff. Yeah, but Chris Claremont kept kept his eyes out there, man, to to find the best guys, and made sure that they were part of the game. We we did that one Marvel. Um, what the hell was that? Not Marvel Saga, but what was that like? We did that day in the life of Marvel that was in Marvel, Marvel, Age. Marvel Age. Yeah. And part of that article is Chris Claremont going to the bullpen to use their long distance line and calling Barry Windsor Smith to like yes. bat out an issue of uh, what would be the um, the issue that we did two episodes of with the, with the Power Pack Kid. Um, Such a great issue. The third time's going to be the charm. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the, uh, just like the line for the boot and how well that fits in with both the claws and also this highlight. Wonder if he had some influence on the on the coloring for that. Yeah, because you you see that white outline carry over in a lot of the uh, both of those figures. If he did, then what's up with the orange eyeballs? <laughs> Good point. Good to go. Yes. Okay, favors like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. Jimmy, tell the people what's out there. 
Hulk Grand Design Monster Madness is in stores now. Pick that up if you can't wait until early 2023 when the oversized Treasury Edition shows up with 40 extra pages. And I recommend you pre-order that one just because of the weird delays in printing and stuff. You want to make sure you get a copy of Hulk Grand Design Treasury. Street Angel Deadly Scroll Live, back in print after almost a year from Image Comics. You can get it wherever you find books. And join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see a lot more of my work, including a collection of all of my freelance cover work with annotations. Red Room, the Antisocial Network, Red Room Trigger Warnings, Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game. Each of these books is uh, completely self-contained, has four stories, plus 60-plus pages of additional materials, and I'm serializing new works on my Patreon. So you get everything from this, uh, from both of these, plus new stuff, more than 300 pages for $3 a month, less than a penny a page. And I put new strips out all the time. Hit up my link tree in the description below this video. You'll be able to uh, subscribe and get these books. Jimmy, what else do we have out there? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, mugs, fanny packs, and more at our spread shop. And that link is also available under this video. Another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Given those marching orders, Jimmy will be on our way. Read more comics.